but they had no idea that we were, I'm talking about literally surrender this morning. That's exactly, they basically sang my message, and so let's pray and we'll get out of here. No, just kidding. Uh, seriously, that was just amazing when that happens, and, and uh, I'm just thankful for the Lord in that. Uh, I just want to share this word of encouragement someone just passed along to me. It says, and I'm not sure this is, this is for, uh, so I, it's always interesting with the, with uh, prophetic words or words of encouragement. You know, it's a, it's a spiritual gift. It's the gift of encouragement. And uh, so a lot of times when um, God gives those to people, a lot of times it's for a corporate body. And that kind of happens, you know, that when someone speaks prophetically or speaks the word of the Lord, it's for the body. But it also kind of lands with a specific person who kind of receives it and hears it as if the Lord is speaking to them. Okay, so I'm going to show this word of encouragement. And uh, and then I'm going to throw it out like David Letterman does. You know, you've seen him do that. Okay, it's just because it's just fun to do that. It says this, word of the Lord. You have gone... Out sowing in tears, now they will come back carrying sheaves with great joy. I'll read, that, I'll read that again. You have gone out sowing in tears, now they will come back carrying sheaves with great joy. There you go. Lord, thank you. All right. Hey, just a couple of things real quick. Connect Conference. Uh, I want to remind you, Randall thought that on the back was a sign-up sheet like the other one, but it's not there, okay? So there's a couple things you can do if you look at this. It says, if you need to, there's no reservations required if you're just showing up, but if it'd be helpful to know if you're coming Saturday for lunch so we can make sure we get enough food, because we'd hate to have to lay hands on it, multiply it, I mean, it's power of God being released due to our stupidity and our laziness, so don't force God to do that. So if you're going to sign up, at least reserve for Saturday for lunch. But if you're bringing babies, make sure you either do one or two things. Email ivycollins.tn. It's right there on the sheet, either in your hands or or um, or sit next to you on a chair. You can. Okay, so if you can just email that to Lori at um, vintage242.com, or you can sign up out there. Uh, on the sign-up sheet. So that's the two things. If you forget when you walk out and didn't forget, forget to sign up, then you can send Lori at Vintage242.com. You should know Vintage242. Why? Because you're sitting here today, right? Vintage242.com. You can shoot that to them or sign up on that sheet out there. It'd be great. All right. Uh, actually, Nate will be leading us along. I love you. Remember, Allie Doss, now Allie, excuse me, Allie Biddle, right? She led for a long time at Vintage on the Keys. She'll be leading alongside of Nate and her uh, jerk husband who stole her away. Aaron will be on lead guitar and leading along with them. Lucas will be playing drums and tearing it up. And then Dale Debner, he played with us for a couple of months too. So they'll all be there on that Saturday night leading worship and love you to be a part of that. Okay, well, let's do this. This morning, as you heard, God is doing great things at Vintage in a financial way. Okay, we uh, God's blessed us, but as we, here's the deal, as we move forward, as we move forward, here's the thing, we recognize that the vision that God has for vintage is a big one, something we cannot fulfill, uh, in our own abilities. And we also recognize, and I'll just say this, you all know this, to, to make things happen, we need Jesus, right? And then we need the financial resources to, to make those things happen that He gives us. And so as, as you give, it's a, it's a part of worship. But it's also going towards the fulfillment of the kingdom vision that he has for us at Vintage. And so as you give, it's one, is an act of obedience. But number two, it's a gift given back to the Lord so he can do what he wants to do. Okay? And so when we take up our offerings, it's not just because that's what you're supposed to do with this time of the service. It's because we believe that God uses those resources to build his kingdom here on earth. Okay? 
And so don't forget that when we're giving our offering, it's not just something we, it's not just a basket passing time and all that kind of stuff. It's a time of us investing into the kingdom as a cheerful gift of being obedient to the Lord. Okay, so never forget that. So with that, pass your baskets back down for our offerings. We feel like a connect card as a first time guest. This is the time you'd put that in there. I'll shoot you an email this week just to say thanks uh, for being here. And uh, that would be great. All right. Well, hey, let's jump in. We uh, had this today, so we're a little little pressed for time. So I'm just going to we're going to press through this morning and uh, share with you things I felt like God has for us. Now, so let's say this. We've been talking about the power of God, that God wants to pour his power out in us for the things he wants to do in our lives. All right. God's a powerful God. There's things that he wants to do through us, right? They were an orange extension cord. We plug into Jesus, his power moves through us, and then we plug into those who have need, right? And so his power then is released into those who need him. So we saw Jesus again and again, just releasing the power of the Holy Spirit again and again and again, just in the lives of those who are in need through healings and, and deliverance. We saw his love being expressed to the woman at the well who had, who had never really ultimately been loved that way before, right? Just an expression that we've seen just in the, with the expressing the power, power in his life through the gift of evangelism, right? Again and again and again, just sharing the love of God with people. So again and again, we see this Jesus modeling for us the life of a human being empowered by the Spirit of God. You hear that? We see Jesus, again, modeling for us what a human being's life can look like, empowered by the Spirit of God. So what I want to say to us this morning is this. Each of us are in need. Listen, this is the, the foundation we're launching from this morning. Each of us are in need of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that empowered Jesus. We're all in need of the Holy Spirit every day. To be empowered to live the life Jesus modeled and then to do the things the disciples modeled for us in the book of Acts. What separated Jesus, listen, what separated Jesus from every other human being? He was empowered by the Spirit of God. What set apart the disciples to do the crazy things that we see in the book of Acts? The same Spirit. What then should separate us from every other human being in life? We live our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we said, we we saw Acts chapter 1. Jesus said, hey, wait for my Holy Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So that happened in Acts 1, right? They waited. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, right, and baptizes them with tongues of fire. They begin to speak in these, these different tongues. And then there's a gift of interpretation where every single person around them, thousands of men specifically, hear each of these, these, these this, the, uh, the, the people, the, these disciples, and they say, I hear them as if they're speaking in my language. How do they know my language? How do they know my dialect? How do they know this, this, this tribal language that I speak, right? Thousands of people heard this, these few men and women speaking, right, with these tongues and so there's a gift of tongues, the power of God being released, that the gift of interpretation where each of them are hearing them in their own language. And then chapter 2, what happens? Peter stands up and proclaims the gospel of Jesus. Right? He says, listen, I want to tell you about this Jesus you crucified. He was God in flesh. And he came so that you could have eternal life. And if you're not in relationship with Jesus... 
then when you die, you will be separated from God for eternity. But if you give your life to him, you will be in relationship with God and live side by side with him for eternity. You choose. And so we see that Acts chapter 2, he steps up and in power, what happens? He speaks in power, what happens? It says thousands were added to the family of God that day. Acts chapter 3, then Peter and John, they go out and they express the power of God again. They heal this man born, born lame, right? And, and he's healed immediately. Then chapter 4, Peter and John get arrested. So Peter and John, along with the other disciples of Jesus, outnumbering 5,000 people, they've been ministering, listen, they've been ministering now in the model of Jesus. The power of God was moving in them, and the power of God was moving through them. And the religious leaders, the very one who crucified Jesus, they come along, they highlight Peter and John, they bring them in, right? They bring them in. We pick up in, in the story in verse 17 where it says, the religious leaders, they say, to stop this thing from spreading... Any further among the people, we must warn them. We must warn them to speak no longer in this name. Then then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach it all in the name of Jesus. Right? They're afraid of the name of Jesus. There's this riot starting because of of the name of Jesus. And in verse 21, it says, after further threats, they let them go. What I want you to see this morning in Acts chapter 4, we begin to look at the model of the disciples expressing for us this lifestyle of Jesus. What we see is they get... They wait for the, they wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Then they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Then they express the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, right? Modeling this life that Jesus modeled. Now they're modeling it for us, right? This life. And then they, then something happens in chapter four. Persecution. Persecution, trials, hardships, and difficulties, right? They're literally facing imprisonment. So the threats that they're facing in Acts chapter 4, I'm guessing that's not super clear exactly what they say, but what happens is something along the lines of them saying, listen, this is what I would do if I'd been the religious leaders, right? I would say, listen, if you continue to speak in the name of Jesus, if you use that name again, we'll just do to you what we did to Jesus. We will kill you. Persecution's a big deal, right? And they're facing the reality of not only imprisonment, and it's a terrible thing, but they're also facing death. That's the real threat that they're facing in their life. Now, I want to say this. There is real persecution going on in the world today, right? Today, either a, over a thousand Christians will either be thrown into prison I'm making this number up. Let's just say hundreds of Christians, okay? I'd like to be a, I don't want to exaggerate and make you, I'm making it overly emotional. Hundreds of Christians today will either be thrown into prison or they'll be killed for their faith in Christ. So it is a reality, whether you know it or not, right now, the, uh, that Iranian pastor we prayed for a few weeks ago, he is on death row right now in Iran because he simply preached Jesus and was not willing to recant or say he didn't believe in Jesus. Right now. He could die today, right? Our government is working behind the scenes right now to see this man released in Iran. 
That's happening today. But the reality for us, at least in our world in which we live in most of our, most of our days, is that we're never going to face this level of persecution, will we? Right? In our lifetime right now, because of our freedom of speech and our freedom of religion, God blessed the early church, you know, the early Ameri- the fathers in America, right, who said this is what we're going to stand on, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. So we have freedom to gather today, right? So I recognize we, will, we may never... We may, we might, in our day and age, we might, but we may never face the level of persecution that they're facing right here in Acts, that Paul and John are facing the church, right? We may never face it, but I would say this, that there are things that are happening today, things that, that happen in life, different types of hardships, suffering, and trials that, that we face every day that are used by the enemy to attack our commitment to Jesus and our relationship with others. We may not face this level of persecution, but we do face things every day from people outside our families and our friends or people even inside our family and our friendships that are literally moving and stirring every day to attack our commitment to Jesus and our commitment to relationship with one another. And in that moment, what I would say is this, and it's here on the screen. The same power the disciples needed to face persecution and stay true to Jesus is the same power we need to live the life of obedience that we have been called to live. Read it again. The same power the disciples needed to face persecution and stay true to Jesus is the same power that we need to live the life of obedience we've been called to live every day of our lives. So let's just jump into Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 32. It says this, On their release, Peter and John, chapter 4, verse 23, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit in the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen now. Lord, in this moment, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his or her possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. The first thing I want you to see is their response. The disciples' response. Number one, they ran to community. They ran to community. They ran to the family, right? Verse 23 says, they went back to their own people and reported. Then in verse 24 says, they raised their voices Together in prayer, other versions say they lifted their voices to God in one accord, as if they were one voice. Listen, the response of these spiritual giants is a corporate response, as in they need to get back and connect as quickly as possible with the whole body so they could be encouraged 
and so they could then pray together. Right? These are spiritual giants, the greatest men that they in, in the church, and their response in the moment was to immediately to run back and to need their brothers and sisters in the Christ. Right? It was a response of humility. They couldn't do it alone. They needed others. As Americans, by and large, we celebrate individualism, right? We celebrate pioneers who pioneer against all odds by themselves, right? We, we tell stories about those who conquered the world, right, by themselves. But the disciples, they didn't do that. They didn't celebrate individualism in those who conquered by themselves as pioneers. And instead, they celebrated doing things together. Do you see Jesus? He could have done life by himself. But what did he do? What do you, he surrounded himself with other believers, right? Brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ who he did life with, right? It's the 12 disciples. You know, Mary and Martha traveled with him. And Mary literally would sit at his feet and learn, right? He surrounded himself with other people. He did life with them. Jesus didn't go into hiding, but he celebrated doing life with other people. My question for you this morning is, who do you have that you do life with every week who is praying for you and encouraging you? Who do you have, even when you step in on Sunday morning, that you speak with? I would say that you know, they've said that, church, that Sunday morning church is the most segregated time in, in America during the week. I would say it's also the loneliest time. People come into church, they sit in their church seat, and they try to get out as quickly as, they, as possible so they don't have to talk to anybody, right? So they can have their own personal time with Jesus. That is sin. Because you don't come to church to hang out with Jesus. You hang out with Jesus the rest of the week. You come to church to hang out with other believers, your family, in the context of being around Jesus. The disciples in Acts chapter 2 had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They could have said, well, we've already been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't need anything else. No, they said, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit and we need people. We need other Christians to come alongside of us and to do life with us and to pray for us and to encourage us. If you don't have that, then you're wrestling with spiritual pride because you think you can do it by yourself. And you can't. The disciples ran back to the other believers in a place of need. They were transparent. They were weak intentionally. He says, oh my gosh, we need your help. We can't do it alone. Power doesn't equate to isolation. As if we don't need others or we can do it ourselves. For the disciples, power was expressed best in the unity of needing others. They ran to them. Second thing they did is they prayed together. They prayed together. We see that, right? Now I could say a lot about this. There's a lot we could say about coming together in corporate prayer, right? I, I just, but what I want to say is this one thing. I love how difficulties, how situations of life, how their own issues drove them, all 5,000 of them, to a conversation with Jesus. Their difficulties, their hardships drove them to one another, and then together they went 
to Jesus, right? They recognized, they didn't look back and say, well, we got filled with the Holy Spirit a couple of chapters ago in the book of Acts, right? No, no, we need to pray now because we need Him now. We need Him again. We need Him to move in our lives. Their prayer in verse 29, now Lord, they pray this, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. See, they didn't run from the issue, right? They prayed that God would give them boldness in the midst of persecution that might lead them to death to give them boldness to proclaim the word even more loudly. Praying this together. They were filled with the power of God's Spirit, right? They recognized, again, that they were in need of more of Him every day of their life. Again, remember, remember this. They had already been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in them. And in desperate fashion, this moment of great desire and great need, they turn to Jesus as their continual. Listen, they turn to him as their everyday source of life and of power to move in the context of community. The the model of early church was simple. In life, listen, in life, they leaned on one another. In life, they leaned on one another. And they relied, relied on the power of Jesus through them. They leaned on one another and they relied on the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in them. God's response. Really simple. God filled them with his spirit, dot, 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 again. Gee, God filled them with his spirit, dot, 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 again. And herein lies the heart of what we want to see this morning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, pull this up on the screen. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? They were all empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Peter, before the religious leaders, says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit again, began to speak the word of God, the gospel of Jesus to them, right? So Peter, Filled with the Holy Spirit, began to proclaim the good news, okay? So Peter was, it means again, as in again, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, listen, don't be afraid when you get before people and the leaders of the day. For when you go before them, my Spirit will empower you, right? They were filled again. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, just how many is that? 23 verses down. It says, the place where they were was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So from Acts chapter 2, verse 4 to 4.31, they were filled with the Holy Spirit three times. Listen, my good fundamental friends say you just get filled with the Holy Spirit one time. My good charismatic uh, friends, they say you have a second work of grace. You get filled twice. I want to say to you, you should get filled every day. There's an infinite works of grace, infinite work of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, of him moving when, whenever you ask and whenever you need. Every day of life we are filled, right? Every day. So when we said before, God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud, what we could say is this. What we could say is this. God pours out the the power of the Holy Spirit on those who come humbly every day, but he opposes those who think they can do it by themselves. When God pours out grace, what is he pouring out? He's pouring out the Holy Spirit. 
He's pouring out the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples in these three, three instances, just in two chapters, they get filled three times at least that we know of. At least that we know of. So, my question to you is this. How often do you need Jesus? How often do you need him? My second question is this. How often do you need his power in your life? What you should say is, Steve, I can't live a breathing moment without needing him and his power in my life. Well, God pours out grace, the gift of power, every moment of every day to those who stand in need of him and who cry out to him. So this morning what I want to do, something I don't normally do, I want to give you, I want to give you a four-step system to get the Holy Spirit in your life. Are you ready? I stole this from a guy by the name of Wayne Grudem, okay? He wrote this big book called Systematic Theology, this great treatise on the Holy Spirit. At the very end, in the, sub, in the, in the notes, I read this thing, and it talked about these, it says, if you do these four things, right? And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is so great. These four things I'm going to give you, I've read from every, listen, every single biography I've ever read from early church fathers until now who had this release of the power of the Holy Spirit into their lives named along these four lines something just like these. You need to write all of these down. Or if you need to take pictures of it with your phone so you can have them, so you can remember them. I don't care what you do, but every, this is something you need every day of your life. The first thing we see is this. Number one, every day, give slash yield everything over to God. Number one, every day, give or yield everything over to God. You understand the word yield, don't you? You pull up to a yield sign and what do you do? You take eyes off of where you're going and you look to the one who's in control, the people who are driving this direction. Why? Because they always have the right of way. They're always in charge. So every day, give or yield everything to God. Every day, we must relinquish control to God, right? Every day, relinquish control to every day to God's desires, not ours. For his will for our life, right? This is the essence of humility. Handing everything over. In verse 24, they say, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign has this idea, the person who is sovereign, who's in charge, the person who is in control. So every day we say, Sovereign God. Controlling God. Lord. When you pray, Lord, that's what you're saying. You are in charge. You are in control. I come to the yield sign again every moment of every day and say, you are in charge. The second thing, every day depend on God for power. Every day depend on God for power. Don't do it in your own strength, right? The power of God. Verse 29, the disciples say, consider their threats and Jesus enable. Give us power, your servants, to speak your word with great boldness. They stood there in the moment. Remember, they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They already had the power of God coursing through them. And they come again and say, God, we need you every day. We're depending on you for our power today. The third thing that we see is this. Every day, choose to obey. Every day, choose to obey. The whole law, everything in the Old Testament is summed up in love God with everything that you have. 
and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love, so that's the question. Every day you wake up and say, God, I choose to obey you by loving you with everything in me. Do you love God with everything in your heart, everything in your soul, and everything in your mind, with all of your energies and all of your might? And do you love your neighbor? Verse 32 says, all the believers were one in heart and one in mind. No one claimed that any of his or her possessions was his or her own, but they shared everything that they had. There is this understanding and this choosing to obey that it's not about me, but it's about you. And how do they express it in the early church? In a, listen, in a way that you skip over when you read. You skip over this verse and say, that's good for them, not so much for me. Do you think maybe the desire of God is to return back to that, that nothing you actually, listen, your checking accounts and your savings accounts and your IRA accounts, listen, they don't belong to you and for your retirement. They belong to God because someone's having a rainy day today. Dramatic pause because that should hurt on purpose. Why? Because it begins to show if you're willing to obey him. Obedience is a choice and it's never easy. Because why? It costs you something. The rich young ruler is very American. You need to wrestle with that. If that offends you, it should, because the gospel of Jesus always does. The gospel of Jesus is not so you can give your life to Jesus so you go to heaven. The gospel of Jesus is give your life, to, in the gospel of heaven, the gospel of Jesus is give your life to Jesus so you can do everything he says for the rest of your life. That's the gospel. It's not so you can get to heaven, it's so you can enter into relationship with him and become just like him. The fourth thing that we see is ask him to fill you. Ask him to fill you. Verse 29, they say ask. Enable your servants, right? Fill, help us. Number three, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles through us, right? Ask him to, they needed Jesus. They needed the Holy Spirit to empower them to fill them, right? They came in prayer asking God to give them boldness and power. Luke eleven thirteen says, if you then, though you were evil, listen, comparison to God. If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We must yield. We must depend we must obey, and we must ask. We must yield to God, depend on His power, obey Him every moment, and ask Him to fill us. And He will. How often do you need Jesus? Every moment of every day. And if you live in this place of yielding and depending and obeying and of asking... Every day he will fill you again and again and again and again. Let's pray. Father, we need.